Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Hey, Waiting Warriors out there. Welcome to another week on the Waiting Warriors podcast. I have Morgan Slade for you here. She is a therapist who works with women who have perinatal, dang it, per, you're, you know? You're okay. You, it people is, see it different ways too. Perinatal. 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 We'll just, you know. <laughs> In case anybody wanted to know, that's how you say it correctly. I just said it incorrectly so you could hear the different ways that you say it. But she works with those amazing women who are pregnant and postpartum with their moods and their anxiety disorders, which I think, again, as a mother of four, I can empathize and appreciate your work. She also has a husband who works full time for the National Guard and is a mother of three kids. So thank you, Morgan, for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. So I want to just kind of hop into it because you're, you're, you're what many would consider a seasoned spouse. Your husband has been in for 14 years. Um, mm-hmm. But with all of that experience, you know, you have a vantage point that I think could really benefit the younger spouses, um, how has being a waiting warrior though helped you grow? Cause I know so many people look at this life as just, it's hard, but how has it helped you grow and benefited you? Oh, that's such a good question. I think it's helped me grow in so many ways, but probably most importantly, it's really, and this is going to sound maybe a little silly, It's really taught me how to view kind of my shortcomings and failure in a different light. So not necessarily the limit of my abilities, right? When I fail, Mm -hmm. but it's, but failure almost, and and I use failure, but I I could interchange different words like, you know, coming up short or falling short of perfection that, you know, so many of us women (laughs) try to attain, right? (laughs) Um, it's taught me what, what it means to, you know, kind of fall short on that and still persevere and how to not kind of beat myself up for those shortcomings. Do you have an example of that? Yes. Um, I totally do. I think for a lot of us, um, at least this is my story. I don't know if this could be everyone else's story, but Th- we this do this podcast is not your story, though. <laughs> well, hopefully someone else can relate, right? Some common humanity yeah. here. But um, I think for me, I when I kind of took on the title of military spouse, I kind of assumed that I was just going to be this total, I don't even know, like shielded, armored up kind of gal, Mm -hmm. right? Like it was just, I was going to be baptized with strength and valor (laughs) and courage kind of when I adopted that role. And that just wasn't the case. So for me, 
you know, I, I was kind of a history geek growing up and um, I had this adopted grandpa. <laughs> I adopted him. Um, he was a really close family friend. And I remember like sitting at his armchair, listening to all these stories of, you know, he lied about his age during World War II and met his sweetheart and married her and then left her behind. And she didn't hear from him for like months while he was delivering literally our forces to these shell showered beaches in the Pacific. And I always thought like, I, I loved his stories, but I always wondered about her perspective, right? Like what was she doing during that yeah. time? Um, yeah. And I, I remember her telling me like, you know, there would be months when I didn't get letters and that really stuck with me. So of course, right. When I sent my husband off for basic training and we were just dating at the time, it was really hard on me <laughs> and I, I, and it's still this way. I'm pretty sure, but you know, like you can only communicate through letters. Um, and I remember like going what, probably like four days without a letter and I was struggling <laughs> and I thought of her and I started to compare my suffering, right. To mm -hmm. her. And I've done this like so many times and I think, I don't think I'm alone in it. And it's this idea no, of comparative suffering, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so weak. Like, I, I don't know how I'm going to handle this life if I can't even, you know, not let four days affect me without a letter. And I think that that, that mentality for me, right, it kind of stuck with me for the first few years of my marriage. And by that, I mean, when I would kind of compare myself to other military spouses that I saw. And I did, I saw that like armored up courage, valor kind of mentality. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> like sometimes I struggle and I can't talk to my husband or, you know, um, and I viewed that as failure as a shortcoming that I was suffering and I didn't really have the right to suffer. I felt like, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So kind you're of like, like the, there's, it's, <laughs> you're just reading my mind from however <laughs> hundred million times over the past eight years. Like it just, yeah. Yeah. Just, like, I don't know why we do that. We put like this hierarchy on suffering. Like there's not a, there's not enough for everybody to have some kind of like, mm -hmm. if you're sad about the NCAA bracket, you know, not happening this year. Kind of like, if you didn't make it to the tournament, you don't get to suffer. I don't know, you know? Yeah. Like, that there's this limit to the world's kind of capacity for empathy. Meaning, we can't just experience our own version of suffering if we deem yeah. it's not worthy. And I really, like, viewed that as a shortcoming. Mm-hmm. So how have you overcome that? Because I, I know for a fact, because I just did an Instagram post earlier this week on this very thing that like so many military spouses and and um, police wives, a lot of them commented and sent me messages too of like, this is a weekly struggle, like mm -hmm. all the time. Like, how do we change that? How do we overcome that? struggle or how yeah, have you that's, that's such a good question right and 
I think for me, it really hit me. I learned a really hard lesson. Um, my husband was deployed in 2015. And it was a to Afghanistan. It was a pretty rapid deployment. We didn't have a lot of time to prepare. Um, and at the time, my baby was four weeks old. So he had just been born. Um, you know, and like, I'm sure you've felt before. <laughs> and many yeah, moms, well, you know, <laughs> parents have felt before like I was exhausted and I was probably suffering in hindsight you know with with well not probably I was suffering from you know some postpartum anxiety coupled with you know my husband's leaving to a a combat zone um Mm -hmm. and he just really was overwhelmed and really tired and so about you know one week after he left I thought, and kind of going back to this comparative suffering, I and it's it's something I still wish I could go back in time for and like kind of yell at myself <laughs> kindly, of course, <laughs> say, you know, don't do what you're about to do. But I'm so glad, you know, that I learned these lessons. Um, I was so tired, and the only thing I could think of asking for help for like for me was not an option. I did not want to burden other people. I felt like if I were to ask for help from my neighbors who were military spouses, by the way, um, Mm -hmm. that would make me weak, right? Because again, I thought, you know, I'm supposed to be able to handle this. This is something military spouses do. They suck it up and they handle it, right? Yeah. So I did what, you know, that rational version of myself would do, which wasn't rational. I drove four hours to my parents' house um, to take a nap. (laughs) 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 Oh, (laughs) and I kid you not. (laughs) You drove four hours one way. To take a nap. Yes, ma'am. To take a nap. <laughs> yes. Oh, that is that is one of the best. That's one. <laughs> I got to write that one down. <laughs> I know, right? Like, oh my gosh. Lessons were learned, let's just say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I get there and I'm even more tired, right? Because I just drove for four hours um, in the car with three kids. And I get there and I go to lay my head on the couch and all of a sudden I hear this crash and in my mind and I still feel a little guilty about this but I just laid there and I was like oh no I kind of pictured we call this in therapy we call this storytelling right like I immediately started Mm -hmm. storytelling that um, my son, my then three-year-old had like pushed over my mom's china cabinet, which is like all of our worst oh. fears, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought that's what had happened. And then, um, so I just laid there to kind of let it sink in because I was again, so tired. Um, but then I heard my mom yell, his finger is missing. And I was like, what? Oh. Um, 
and granted, and if my mom listens to this, I love you, mom. <laughs> but my mom is not the greatest in crisis, right? Like so. Mm-hmm. So I, I, of course, I didn't believe like whose finger is missing. First of all, like I don't know, right? I get up slowly after I hear her say that, and I go in, and sure enough, my three-year-old standing there with the missing finger. <laughs> And oh so, my gosh. yeah, right. Immediately, like, you know, the adrenaline kicks in and I go over to him and I ask what happened. And of course, like, that's the dumbest question to ask a three-year-old that's in that, you know, kind of <laughs> trauma, you yeah. know, wondered on that trauma. But he had been playing in the spare bedroom and just jumping on the bed. And he got his finger stuck in a blind cord. And as soon as his finger got stuck in that blind cord, he fell off the bed and it just popped it off. So here here I'm standing with, like, again, I'm so tired, but not anymore, right? Because I have all this adrenaline. Um, And I'm standing there with him, just trying to trust myself on what to do next. Long story short, short, right? Like I had, my parents live in the middle of nowhere. So of course, like I live at my home <laughs> next to, at the time I lived next to one of the most, you know, renowned hospitals for children in the world. But now I'm four hours away in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I really just started to beat myself up, right? So what ifs, mm-hmm. like, what if I would have just sucked it up? you know, I, but you're tired, right? Um, Mm -hmm. we, we go to the hospital. I, well, first of all, I couldn't find the finger. So once again, I have to tell my mom, I love her publicly because I left her behind to look for it. (laughs) And (laughs) And we went to the hospital and she ended up being like the hero of the day. Right. Well, so we had to get life lighted, um, when we got to the hospital and it, it took life light a while. And, that you know we couldn't find the finger so I'm just sitting here beating myself up over that too and right when the that helicopter pulls up my mom (laughs) comes in like a hero with a finger in a bag (laughs) and we get on the helicopter (laughs) and go (laughs) oh my gosh like they were able to reattach it and most of it survived and it ended up being okay but the point of this whole story was I got home you know, and when I got home, I don't even know how this happened, but um, when kind of the fanfare was gone, right, and that adrenaline was gone, and it just really hit me what happened in that, you know, like, again, I start beating myself up, right? Like the, you should have been able to handle this. You should have been able to just suck it up. You didn't need that nap. And it never once did it occur to me that or did I think like you could have asked your neighbors, right? Like that's what could have happened. Um, so I remember just like folding laundry and um, mind you, and I'm sure this is relatable. <laughs> that laundry pile was large <laughs> and I'm sitting behind this like two story tall laundry pile. And I hear someone come up my stairs and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> is this how it ends? Right. 
Like I, I'm mm. a true crime junkie and I'm like, this is it. Like someone's here to, you know, just finish off this really awesome week that I'm having. Um, and it was one of the women from my church who had somehow found out about what happened. And she was also a military spouse and she's standing there while I'm crying behind like two loads of laundry, right? Um, two towers of laundry. And she says to me, she hands me some bread. Um, your door was unlocked. Just thought I'd come in. And we had a good little chat. And she told me, she said, Morgan, this year is going to be miserable for you if you don't ask for help. And I remember just sobbing. And I even get a little emotional about it right now. Because that very same yeah. day, um, another woman from our neighborhood not same day. It was like kind of a, I think it was a week prior, excuse me. Um, her son had ridden off a cliff on his motorcycle and broke every bone in his body. And that state, the next day she had tied a balloon to my door, right? And that woman whose son had fallen off the cliff right after this other woman from my ward had brought me some bread. And she left a little note and just said, we're here for you. And again, right, I start to beat myself up. Like, my kid lost a finger. Your kid broke everybody in body, and you're here for yeah. me, right? But something I learned from this is that you cannot compare suffering. Suffering, there's no, there's no limit to the world's empathy. Does that make sense? We yeah. we all deserve a piece of it, and every little pain that we feel um, and we think shouldn't exist, right? Because you know whatever role we have or responsibility or facade we want to carry, that's just not how emotion works. You can't just suppress it and expect it to die, right? And that's what I learned from this whole experience. And I want it to die. We want it to die. (laughs) Like, like I am, I am over here crying. And I, like, I, I want to believe, right? Like, I know so many other listeners want to believe that. And like, but that moment happens where we are so tired and our husband cannot give us what like the reprieve that we want and that we need totally but still but still I think it you know what I mean like how like why why do we do that to ourselves and how can what is there something that you've been able to do to like make it easier on yourself or has it just kind of clicked for you no, that is such That's a good, just not possible. That is such a good question. And I think from this whole experience, right, I realized, have you ever heard that saying? And it, I might slaughter it, but it's called, it says, what you resist will persist. <laughs> have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds <laughs> and I And if I oh. apply that to suffering, right? If I don't Mm -hmm. honor and acknowledge that I'm suffering, it just grows and gets bigger. And I get 
angry or mm-hmm. irritable or I shut down, right? And I isolate those kinds of things. And so I learned from this whole experience that I have to honor my suffering because suffering, comparative suffering, it's illogical. We can't compare our suffering to others and deem what we're feeling unworthy of feeling because we're feeling it. It's it's already here. Yeah. It's already valid. Does that make sense? Yeah. We have to honor I our thought suffering. Of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I learned. Because I think in in my mind it's like I've always thought of it as I don't want it to be. So therefore I'll just push it to the side. But mm-hmm. what you're saying is it is there. Like because you're feeling it, it exists. So you can't just say it doesn't exist, right? Is that what you're saying? Totally. Totally. Huh. And so are we, so we'd be doing ourselves, not even like doing ourselves more of a favor, but like if our goal is to be stronger and to overcome it, then we should just acknowledge it and take it for what it is. Absolutely. I love the word honor or suffering, right? It's like, it for me, that word honor means giving it the attention it deserves. Rather Mm -hmm. than just saying, oh, you're here. (laughs) That's nice, right? (laughs) I don't have time for you right now. I don't have time for you. Yes. And I think that's another thing we do too, right? Because that's what I was thinking. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm dealing with this too, right? On top of my husband being gone, on top of having a new baby, right? Now I'm dealing with this. And it's kind of one of those things that prolong the suffering. You know, in the therapy realm, we call this, which... A lot of people, you know, really struggle with radical acceptance, where acceptance Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you like the suffering, but rather that you accept that it's here. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm just, it's so, it's so hard. And so many, I like, I'm pretty sure if you have been a serving spouse, You've had a like a similar experience, right? Mm-hmm. I feel I hope all the listeners like are understanding because I know in in my first year, totally had something, <laughs> and it's just like, but yet we we resist we resist the help because we're comparing ourselves, but mm-hmm. then that's denying ourselves the community which we all know we need. Oh my gosh, so much. It's it's just so, it's just so interesting. So my other question is like, if, if we need to honor those feelings, like how, how can we, how can we honor ourselves and give ourselves the voice that we need to honor those feelings. Cause I know a lot of, a lot of 
waiting warriors do that. I know, I know I do that often, right? Like I don't honor those feelings because there isn't time for it. Like literally like the army is at such a pace where there isn't time for it. I know right now, as we're recording this, like we're dealing with the pandemic. Most husbands are home. Um, but my husband and I were just talking about it today. Like he's home and kind of has a slower pace right now. That's at least more flexible, but we're gearing up for all of this training to be, that was going to happen over a six month time period to now happen in like a three month time period. And then they're going to be off to JRTC, which is like the pre-deployment training and they'll be gone for weeks. And like, once we get back in it, then it's like, I've, I've had that feeling of like, there won't, there will no longer be time for my problems. So how can we honor that feeling and, and keep our voice during those kind of moments where there just doesn't seem like there's time? Oh, this is a good one. <laughs> this is a really good one. And I feel like you really just hit it right because so often we feel like by putting ourselves on the back burner, that's the noble thing to do and kind of what we're expected to do. I hate to use that word sometimes, but um, I really do think that that's kind of what we expect from ourselves. And that's kind of the cultural pressure we feel lots of times and by cultural I mean 100% yeah like in this realm right mission first mission first um yeah so I have to in the beginning I really had to do this and it's called the practice and I'm sure like maybe some of your listeners are familiar with it it's called self-compassion and now I want to really just put a caveat there that caveat out there that you know self-compassion is not self-indulgent Self-compassion, when we're honoring our suffering, right, it's treating ourselves like we would treat our very best friend. So if your friend came to you and said, hey, I'm really struggling right now with this kind of thought of me having to do all this training in a really condensed amount of time. I'm really just spinning on that, right? And I'm really, it's really causing me some anxiety. And you think about what your friend would say. It probably wouldn't be, suck it up, Michelle, <laughs> because you're supposed to, right? And Im- yeah, and imagine, but that's not what I would say to a friend. You would never say those things out loud, yet we say those yeah. things to ourselves 24-7. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's really an analysis of our self-talk. What do we feel like we deserve? And that really does start with our self-talk, right? Those things we tell ourselves yeah. of you're not worthy of worrying or you're not worthy of feeling this feeling, right? If you do that, mm-hmm. it's a burden. It's a burden to others. You don't deserve this time. And it's kind of, that sounds kind of harsh. But those are exactly the things we tell ourselves. So the yeah. the ability to kind of speak to ourselves in that different light, like we light, like we were speaking to a friend, it really flips the script. Yeah, you would never break somebody else's heart like that, and yet, and and also like you would never expect them to take it on on their own. No, 
that's such a good point yeah we expect ourselves yeah we expect ourselves to it's like we can take on the burden of the u.s <laughs> military it's like we're what is that <laughs> is it that greek god atlas who has like the world on its back yes <laughs> that's who we exactly. are we think we're atlas we're not and I'll have it on my back, and I'll be holding my kids in one hand and dinner in the other. Oh, boy. Yes. And somehow I'll be smiling and happy. And serving everyone that's, else, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> and that's just, you know, <laughs> but as I'm, like, saying it out loud, and as you were talking, I think like something that kind of clicked in my head and I don't, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's like, what if it's like my problem or not, not my problem with this thought, but like why I resist it in, in putting it into action is because I think that life is about, um, me doing it all and me being it all. But what if life isn't about that and life is simply about be, I, this may sound like super cliche or, or like, um, mushy, but like, what if it's really just about loving each other? And if this life is really a test and our opportunity to show love and compassion to other people, and to grow as like a human family, then I'm denying myself that opportunity to be part of that human family by thinking I have to do it all. Like, yes, 100%. Does, yes. Does that make sense? And, and maybe, maybe not everybody can, can relate to that, but like, I honestly believe that that's why we're here is, is to love each other. Like, that's why we have families. That's why we have um, neighbors and like, it's just all opportunities to lift each other up and to, to learn how to love each other more in every way. But if, if I'm just, dang it, I've been doing it for years. <laughs> I'm just, I'm denying myself the human experience. Because I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be unhuman. I'm trying to be a robot that can just, that can carry the world and my babies and dinner and groceries in the other hand. Like that's not human. Dang it. <laughs> You're so right, right? It's this recognition of common humanity. So what if, right? Yeah. What if? kind of honoring our own suffering allowed us to in turn see other people who are suffering and feel less isolated. Does that make, make sense? Yeah. Because suddenly, yeah. yeah. And it, it really happened for me behind the, that tower of laundry, right? When I was sobbing and my friend came over and she's a military spouse and she gave me the permission to ask for help because she learned that lesson 
And so really just recognizing that we're human, like you were saying, right? And biologically, like if we're going right down to the root, humans are herd animals. We travel in herds, right? We were never meant to be alone, ever. That's why when we are alone and isolated, which I'm sure so many people feel right now, right, during this pandemic, we we kind of get those feelings of, you know, depression and apathy. So that's not how we were meant to survive. We need people. Yeah. We need asking for help is just as important as receiving it in that regard. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I'm just like. <laughs> Just so all the feels, it's like, that's just such a, it's just such a relatable experience. Even if your kid hasn't lost their finger, like, I I hope they haven't. <laughs> like we have, we have yet to experience, cause he, I mean, my husband's done a ton of, you know, weekends and different, different lengths of training, but we personally in our, oh, what are we? I can't remember for on year seven or eight. One of those. In that many years, we have yet to experience a training or separation longer than two weeks where I have not had to take a child to the emergency room or hospital. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we haven't lost any fingers, <laughs> but still, like, we've all been there and we've mm-hmm. all been in that situation where it's like, I should ask for help. I, I should. But like we go in this like mindset of like, but I could take all four kids to the hospital with me at, you know, 8 p.m. and everybody be up until 1 p 1 a.m. or whatever, you know, totally. like, like we all think we all think about it. We, <laughs> we do, right? Maybe I, will. Maybe I will just try to do it all by myself. But instead, you're saying we should just not feel like we have to, because we're allowed to. We're allowed to suffer, right? Yes. If we just and think about okay, and think about this, right? Like as you were talking, when you ask someone for help, you also give them permission to do the same, right? You're. It's a brave practice that you're engaging in because it's vulnerable, right? Especially in our predicament. Uh Like when you're saying taking four kids to the ER, like I kind of want to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Because that doesn't sound like any sorts of fun that I want to have. And if, you know, Mm -hmm. when we ask for help, especially within our community, right? To the people who understand and who get it. We give them permission to do the same. Oh, that just like is a shot to my heart though, because like I want so badly, like I want to be the friend that people will call. Right. Mm -hmm. And that like, they understand that I'm here for them. I like, I want this whole community to understand that like, we are not alone. Totally. But then my, if, but then acting as if I can do it all by myself is contrary to that. (laughs) You nailed it. (laughs) So where it's even, 
we think we're we think we're being selfless, but it's a more selfless act. Yes, to give other people the permission. That's that's powerful. That is really powerful. The more. Oh man. It's just really this place, right? Who who dares to be when we think of like the military spouse and like we start I started this, right? Like clothed in valor and courage and bravery. What if that person is the person who dares to ask for help? Right? Isn't it just ironic? That that kind of what bravery turned into for me. I saw people who asked for help and I wanted so much to do that and it was terrifying and I had to learn the hard way but now I wouldn't give those lessons back for anything I love that like just changing changing what we view bravery as and as we we are brave and we are that kind of brave then that gives other people permission that's so so awesome that you had those examples and those those just brave women in your life oh i just have all sorts of like feelings (laughs) and chills and that just (laughs) i'm i'm very i'm very grateful because like i know you're you're a passionate woman who speaks you speak your truth like you you don't don't hide away from anything you don't embellish it it just is and i know that not everybody has found that voice or or feels like they can use it and yet i feel like everything you've said today has been so empowering and so oh motivating is the word but but empowering and um encouraging and i'm super super grateful for everything that you have shared with us um thank you so much do you like if you if you were sitting next to a new spouse that you knew like didn't have that didn't have that voice didn't have that um that comfortability with honoring those feelings what would you say to her um i think for me right like having my friend tell me and write me kind of this metaphorical permission slip to ask Mm -hmm. for help was so powerful to me because it's just not something and you know I feel like we've gotten so much better at it now but it's not something anyone told me when I first kind of entered into this realm In fact, like, I don't even know (laughs) where these expectations of myself came from. Just kind of looking at the culture, I guess, from an outside perspective. But if I could tell a new spouse, right, and give her or him that same permission to ask for help, to be honest, now, like, knowing what I know now, I would probably ask them for help first in order to kind of establish that vulnerability in the relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
I think so highly that, you know, for me, at least it's so much easier to give help than to get it. Um, I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, empowered and whatnot. And still to this day, it's harder for me at times to ask for help and being able to kind of show that by example that I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to ask for help and it's okay. Is probably honestly one mm-hmm. of the most powerful lessons I've learned. Um, so I, I would probably share that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's even like it's a powerful thing to share. But I like your your twist on how you're sharing it. It's like I feel like most of us would just say to say it, but you're saying to do it, to kind of take it up, totally up a notch, and don't just don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Oh man. Okay. Well, you've given us so many goodies, but last question, what is your key to thriving? Kind of just on par with this whole chat, um, hands down being kind to myself and really just staying out of judgment when I feel whatever I feel and talking to myself like I would a good friend and treating myself and my suffering like that of a good friend. That's literally my key to thriving. Do you have like a self practice for that? Or do you just kind of try and keep that in mind and use that to gauge your thoughts of like, you know, would I actually say this to a friend or do you have, do you know what I mean? So I do two things. One you might've heard of this before, but I, I picture myself younger than I am, (laughs) obviously. Mm -hmm. Or I picture my daughter, right? So if my daughter came to me and told me, you know, the things that, and these are kind of things, this is a practice I engage in when my check engine lights go off, which for me, that means negative self-talk, a lot of self-judgment. And then immediately I know, got to check the engine, right? Let's apply some compassion. So I either picture myself younger or I picture my daughter or one of my best friends, them coming to me with these kind of thoughts I've been thinking in my head. And I, and I kind of picture myself, what would I say to her? Right. And I apply that immediately to myself. I'm just like picturing myself doing it. I get all choked up. That's, that's really powerful. Oh, I hope everybody tries that. Please try that guys. <laughs> do, do oh man. Thank you so much, Morgan. If, um, if anybody wants to reach out to you, thank you for what you've shared or just talk to you a little bit. Do you have a way that somebody can, What's the best way for somebody to reach out to you? Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My name is super creative. It's just Morgan Slade underscore. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you can also find kind of the practice I'm affiliated with at Serenity Recovery Wellness on Instagram and on Facebook. Awesome. 
oh guys please go say thank you and think like this is one where it's like i hope all of these serve you but this is one where it's like no i know this will serve you if you have an open heart to it and like do the things because i feel like you didn't just talk about things that we should say like you gave us things we should do that we need to actually do and not just say out loud and you know there's so many ways we can spread words but to actually do it and i am so so grateful for you coming on the show morgan thank you so much all you waiting warriors out there just remember you know this can be hard but that doesn't mean it has to be miserable so thank you morgan so much and all you waiting warriors out there you guys have a great week bye If you are loving the content here and want some more Waiting Warrior action, check us out at Instagram or Facebook. The handle is The Waiting Warrior, no S, or check out the website, thewaitingwarriors.com. Make sure you get on our mail list. We have some really awesome things coming up. Have a great day.